For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Back when I was running a college leadership program at Camp Quanos, we would take uh, out trips throughout the year, these adventures. Uh, and about six weeks into the program, we would take a, a trip on, uh, on a, a sailboat. We would go on one of the salt ships, the, these big tall ships. And we'd be on it for five days, sleeping on the boat all together, spending every day, uh, every night together. Uh, teams of people awake all night uh, on watch through the night. Um, and for many of the students, uh, the salts trip was one of the highlights of the year. You're on this amazing tall ship, putting the sails up, sailing around the Gulf Islands, and it was a, a pretty, pretty tremendous, tremendous opportunity. Um, but for me, it was actually one of the hardest parts of the year. Um, I would come home from salts and just be overwhelmed by the needs. I mean, my responsibility was to try and, and bring health and, and, and growth and spiritual growth in the lives of these students and help them see issues and help them walk into maturity in them. And for the first five or so weeks of the program, you could kind of get along with each other and, and carry the mask of, of I'm okay, you're okay, and, and be really polite and nice to each other. But it was on that boat where we were stuck together uh, and, and people were getting a little more comfortable where we started to see as a leadership team the issues in people's lives, some of the sin some of the character stuff started to come out. And I would come home from Salts and I would sit in the shower every, every year. I would come home, I would sit in the shower. And the shower felt like it was, it was, it was rocking. It was crazy. It felt like we were on the ocean still after, after being on the boat for a week. And, and I remember over, overwhelmed by the, the needs of, of the students and the task ahead and just praying, God, I need you to do something because I can't do this on my own. I, I don't know where to start. I can't do this. I can't. I need you. I remember every year it was the same. And then it was an amazing process of seeing, you know, I, by the time graduation came in April, seeing that God did those things, um, that God did provide, and God did do the work. So uh, we're in the text here uh, in Matthew chapter 14, starting in verse 13. Um, now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Remember, Jesus had just heard that his cousin, John, was killed. And John's disciples went and took the body. Jesus is mourning. He's grieving over his cousin. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. And so everywhere he went, Jesus' fame is growing. Crowds are following him. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them and healed their sick. Uh, so you see the love that he has, that even in the midst of his own brokenness and his own hurt, he's, he's, he's ministering to the crowd. He's, he's, he's teaching, he's healing. Now when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, There's a desolate place and day is now over. Send the crowds away into the villages and buy food for themselves. Um, th there weren't really villages as we would know them today. There were little hamlets. They were out in the country. There, there really wouldn't have been much food at all, especially not for a crowd this size. Um, but Jesus said, They need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. Um, in John 6, the Gospel of John, we see where those loaves and fish came from. There was a young boy who came and offered up his lunch. His mom packed him a lunch as he went out to go see Jesus. And he offered that lunch to the disciples. And that was all they had. And he said, bring them here to me. Then he ordered the crowd to sit down on the grass. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up at heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave the disciples to the disciples, and the disciples gave them to the crowds. And they all ate and were satisfied. They took up twelve baskets full of the broken leftover pieces, 
And those who ate were about 5,000 men besides women and children. So this is, this is uh, an absolutely unbelievable miracle. Not, we, we often call it the feeding of the 5,000. The 5,000 men plus women plus children, it could have been upwards of 12,000 people. And Jesus takes one young kid's lunch, multiplies it, and feeds them. And there's this um, sort of a, almost a, a much larger version of Elijah and, and the widow where he goes into her home and there's a flask of oil and he promises that, uh, that if she has faith that it'll never run out and it doesn't. And there's significance here as well too to the 12 baskets left over signifying the 12 tribes of Israel and also the 12 disciples. I think Jesus, first of all, he allows here his disciples to feel overwhelmed. Jesus looks around, maybe with a smirk on his face. The disciples say, we need to send people out of here because they're getting hungry and they need to go and it's getting dark. And Jesus just simply smirks, I think, and says, you feed them. Disciples look around, they don't have any food at all. And the kid shows up and brings his Lunchables and they go, this is all we've got. It's like a stadium of people and all you have is, you know, one bowl of nachos. The crowds were following Jesus because he was meeting their needs. He was healing, he was providing for them, and, and there was this sort of, if we just follow Jesus, then he'll give us what we want. And, and there's this interesting contrast a little bit between the crowds and the disciples, and, and where would we rather be? Would we rather simply be in the crowd waiting on Jesus to provide, or do we want to be part of the disciples who are actually out seeing this miracle happen, the ones on the front line actually serving, meeting needs, blessing, loving others? It brings to mind for me the, the great commandment. Um, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And I had a friend of mine once explain, well, who is my neighbor? Is it just the person who lives next door to me? Right? It's, it's a, it was, it was a, the question, same question was asked to Jesus. Who is my neighbor? Uh, and this buddy of mine said, uh, I, I, the way that he described it, it still sticks with me, is that your neighbor is someone whose need is evident to you and it's a need that you can meet. So your neighbor is anyone who has a need that you can meet. That is your neighbor. That is the person that we are called to love. And so what are the, who, who is it around you that has needs? Maybe it's a neighbor, a coworker, a friend, a family member. Maybe it's someone here at church, uh, someone you see, uh, perhaps a, a parent of, 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 of uh, one of your kid's friends. Who, who do you see that has needs? And then the question is, what resources do you have to meet those needs? Maybe it's time. Maybe, maybe there's a kid's soccer team that needs a coach and you have the ability to just give them time to do that. Maybe it's, maybe it's just your presence. Somebody's lonely. Maybe it's encouragement. Perhaps it's money or, or your skills or it's education or mentoring. Maybe it's just love. What resources do you have? to be able to meet those needs. And, and we can't fix all the world's problems. I mean, there's something about um, th that overwhelming moment with the disciples where they see the crowds and go, there's, there's no chance, it's hopeless. As we look at the needs of the world around us, if, if we go, our responsibility is to fix everything, then it becomes cripplingly overwhelming, especially when you start investigating injustice in the world and what's going on. I was doing some research this week on child soldiers uh, and what's going on in you know, South Sudan, and it's, uh, it's heartbreaking the needs that are out there. And it feels a little sometimes, um, I mean, it's a much larger scale, but sometimes whenever I take on a renovation project around the house, um, I start with great gusto and it, there's excitement as you're tearing stuff out, but then there's sort of this big ch chunk in the middle of the renovation where you put in a lot of work and you don't see a whole lot of results. 
And sometimes it just gets so overwhelming. Like, how am I ever going to have the time to finish this? It's never going to get done. I don't have the resources and I don't have the time or the ability and look at all the problems. And there's always this time of being absolutely overwhelmed with every project. But, but you just, you just one task at a time. Even though it doesn't seem like the task is really moving the ball forward, it's just one task at a time, one step at a time. And eventually, over time, you make progress and you'll get there. And so when it comes to to loving our neighbors around us, it's not fixing every problem. It's not meeting every need immediately. It's going, what, what need can I meet right now? What can I do in this moment? Because I, I think that's that's the illustration here in this story is that God simply wants us to bring the resources that we have and he wants to multiply them in faith. That we see the need and go, God, I can't meet this need on my own, but here's what I do have. And God says, will you trust me in faith with that resource, with that time, with with your energy, whatever it is, and will you trust it to me for those needs and expect me to meet the, the, the fullness of the need? Will you just give me what you have? I think there's a call on us to do that. That that's piece, a piece of loving our neighbors. Is, yeah, we don't have enough. We can't fix it on our own. But Jesus is asking, will you give me what you have and let me multiply it and trust me with it? Uh, there's also a piece, though, even, even as I, I was thinking about this this morning, as I'm thinking about the needs around me and going, okay, well, what can I meet? And, and then the question becomes, well, I, I have needs right now, too, and I'm feeling empty and I've got all this other stuff and these taxes on my time and I'm overwhelmed. And what about me? That can be the natural response to serving and giving. What about me? Um, and that's where I, I actually, I was, I was struck in studying this with the 12 baskets. The 12 baskets left over. Each disciple, after he had broken the, the, the fish and, and the bread and given it all out, each of them is, it has a basket. I don't know where the baskets came from, by the way. But, but each of them all of a sudden has this basket full of food. That it's supplying their own needs. That they're also covered. That they've been giving. But in the end of the day, they have more than initially was there to begin with for themselves as well. Um, and it reminds me of what Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. And my God, and this is Paul thanking them for a gift. He says to the Philippians, And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. And so there's something uh, in the story we see that God is multiplying the little that we have in order to meet the needs of others and, and loving others around us, that great commandment. And in the process of doing that, he'll meet our needs as well abundantly. Jesus wants to multiply what you have to offer. Are you willing to give it to him? And are we willing to have faith in his ability to stretch the imperfect and the broken gifts that we bring to the table? Mother Teresa said famously that um, we're not responsible for success. We're just responsible to be faithful, to trust him to multiply, to trust him to give it, to, to, to let it be enough and to meet the needs around us. So as you, as you perhaps wrestle with who is my neighbor, where are the needs around me, and what resources do I have to at least chip away at that need? Don't be overwhelmed. Offer him what you have. And trust him with the multiplication. Let's pray. God, thank you that you, um, God, you want to invite us into this journey of faith. That you want to bless us by watching you at work and, and using our gifts and the little that we have so that we respond and worship and 
and deeper faith and you want to work alongside us in, in, in your work of, of reaching the world. So God, give us the faith to offer the little that we have for the needs around us. And I pray that, um, that you would multiply it and that you would meet our needs as well and abundantly more than we can do ourselves. Jesus, thank you for this truth. In your name we pray. Amen. Well, hope you're having a great week. Uh, let us know if there's anything we can do to help. Talk to you soon.